We turn then, in God's Word, to the Gospel according to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, as we continue our summer series on various folks and places uh, in the Bible uh, whose names begin with the letter P. And so tonight we're looking at a man called Pilate. Uh, Next Lord's Day we'll continue our study of these, but uh, we'll also begin a new study uh, from the book of Joshua, uh, how to go about spiritual battle and warfare in the present age and world in which we live. But this evening, John chapter 18, and we're going to be picking it up at verse 28. So this is uh, after the denial of Peter. Jesus has been arrested, um, and he is now being taken to, to Pilate. John chapter 18, verse 28. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. And Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born... And for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? As far the reading of God's word, let's bow in prayer. Our gracious Father in heaven. We come to thee once again in this evening hour of this, thy Sabbath day, Lord. And we thank thee, Lord, for this beautiful day that thou hast given unto us. And we thank thee, Lord, for this precious book, this word that thou hast given unto us as well. And as we open this word and this familiar passage, we pray that Pastor Bob, with the help of thy Holy Spirit, will explain this word to us so that we can take this word out and change our lives and change those who have come in contact with us. We pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. I want to look at three things regarding uh, Pilate this evening. First of all, his position. Secondly, his problem. And thirdly, his pondering. The pondering of that question, what is truth? And that's where we want to spend the majority of our time. So 
We'll hasten through points one and two tonight. First of all, his position. He is the governor of Judea. He was appointed to that position by Tiberius Caesar, uh, given charge of uh, the location of Judea. And he's going to be governor, serving governor from 26 to 36 A.D., so approximately for seven years prior to the incident that we read of here and for about two, perhaps three years afterwards. He's the governor of Judea. Uh, that governorship ends in 36 AD with him being summoned back to Rome and according to Roman historians, he is going to be ordered by the emperor Caligula to kill himself, which he does. But he is more than just the governor of Judea. I mean, it's mentioned here a couple of times, right? They took him to the governor's headquarters, the governor's headquarters. So we might think that's sort of the end all, okay? Well, okay, so it kind of rests on Pilate's shoulders. No, there's really more being said here about his position. Pilate is not just the governor of Judea. He is also the representative of Rome. He is the highest official physically present in Rome or in Judea. There's nobody above him. In essence, he represents all of the Roman Empire, all of its power, its position, its rule, and its claim. He's there in that position. But thirdly, there's something else. It's not just Rome. Pilate in this passage represents the kingdoms of this world. Those that we read about through scripture that are opposed to the Lord. They are opposed to the Lord and against his anointed. They are those kingdoms of this world that we read about in Psalm 2 that take up their chant against the Lord. He, he's a representative of all of that. He is the representative then of the kingdom of darkness. He is the representative of the kingdom of evil. He is the representative in this passage of Satan's domain. That's what he represents. More than just the governor. More than just Rome. It's this entire world thought philosophy, ideas that stand opposed to God and opposed to Jesus Christ. They are anti-God. And that's what he represents. So when they bring him to Pilate, see, they, they, there's so much irony in this, right? Here are these religious Jews who will not enter the headquarters so that they, because else if they step foot on Pilate's territory, well now they're impure and can't keep the Passover. Yet they think nothing of taking one of their own and handing them over to Pilate. Handing them over to Rome. Handing him over to the kingdoms of this world. So much irony in what is taking place in these few verses. But secondly, Pilate has a problem. His problem is, one, the area he governs. 
Now, I tell you nothing new if I were to say to you, did you know that there have been problems again in Israel? You'd go, yeah, what's new? Right? For most of us, throughout our entire lives, there has been nothing but problems in Israel. It's not any different during the time of Jesus. It, it hasn't been any different. There's always been problems here. There's always been problems with this spot of land, this 30 mile by 60 mile spot of land. And, and, and whether it's the, the, the Jacob and Isaac having problems with wells and the ownership of wells, or whether it's Joshua coming in and clearing out the Canaanites or the Israelites being influenced by all those pagan religions, or whether it's raids by the Assyrians, or whether it's captivity by Babylon, or whether it's Sanballat and Tobiah saying that the Jews are planning another revolt, you better stop the building of this temple, you better stop the building of this wall. It's been nothing but problems for the 400 years of silence that exists between the Old and New Testaments. It's nothing but a problem. As Pilate steps onto the stage and gets the governorship of Judea, I'm sure there's the question of, why me? Why do I get this job? Well, the truth of the matter is, he got it because he wasn't real good at it. And they gave it to him as a political favor. So they gave an inept guy a problem area because they feared how much worse could it get? And even as we see today, it continues to be a difficult piece of land. There has probably been no more wars, no more hostilities, no more anger about that small piece of land than anywhere else in the world. This is Pilate's problem. He's the governor of Judea. He probably thought many times, why couldn't I have gotten Cyprus? Why, why couldn't I have gotten a nice island somewhere? No. I got Judea. He's got a problem. It's the land over which he is governor. Secondly, in regards to that, his problem is the leaders that he is dealing with. In this passage, in this text, he, he's not really dealing with the citizens at this point, is he? he? He's dealing with these religious leaders. He's dealing with those who are part of that Sanhedrin, this Consul of 70. But there's kind of another group lumped in with all of this at this particular time, and that's the priest. Now, maybe you didn't know, but one of the things that Pilate, as the governor of Judea, had was he held the purse strings of the Sanhedrin. He's the one who gives them their allotment of money from the Roman government. But Pilate also chooses who's going to be high priest. Which was often done by a bidding war of various ruling uh, and wealthy families of Sadducees who bid against one another in an effort to get their person in. 
And, and that's what he's dealing with. These religious leaders. The, these people, okay, who are supposed to be in charge of the religious affairs of the nation and keep things quiet. See, that's the deal. That's the under deal. I'll give you money out of the Roman coffers. You keep things quiet. No agitation. Let's keep the zealots at bay. Let's not be nationalistic about all of this stuff. Let's not be opportunistic. You live with Roman law, and I'll give you some money. Now, we could deduce from that many things in our day and age and in our culture, because it sort of runs the same way today. Right? The United States government is pretty good at handing out money, but by handing out money, what they're really doing is they're buying silence. You don't say anything. You keep quiet. You don't agitate. We'll keep funding this or we'll keep funding that. We'll keep handing you money. You just follow the rules. That's Pilate. He's dealing with it. But you know, Pilate may be somewhat inept as a leader, but he has some pretty interesting insights. Turn with me to Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 27. This is sort of the, the follow-up to where we were. Okay? And, and he's asking about releasing the prisoner. So we're at Matthew chapter 27. We're at verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. They had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew, listen to this, for he knew, Pilate knew it was out of envy that he had delivered him up. He knew. It isn't like Pilate doesn't understand what's really happening here. Pilate gets it. He knows these leaders. He's dealt with them before. And they're a problem. They're a problem because he recognizes this isn't really what it looks like on the surface. Something else is going on. And I know what it is. They're envious of this man. And who puts somebody to death for being envied by others? But there is one more thing. And that's the tension he has previously created. Pilate made some bad moves. One of his bad moves, well, it was a good move if he's trying to win favor with Tiberius. It was a bad move as far as the Jews were concerned. Pilate came up with this brilliant idea of putting gold shields in the temple. Now, that you'll find in the Old Testament. That's what Solomon did. Solomon put up gold shields in the temple. 
But what Pilate did is he put up gold shields with the image of Tiberius on it. And the Jews are outraged. And there's all sorts of protests. So much protest that to get the gold shields from Caesarea to Jerusalem, he has to have a military escort bring them into Jerusalem. The people of Caesarea are so upset that they vowed to Pilate, we will die before you allow this to happen. What do you think Pilate did? You might be thinking he executed him. No. Pilate buckled. He buckled under the pressure and he said, okay, I won't do it then. See, he created a tension. He created a hostility. And the Jews know you put enough, you put enough pressure on Pilate, he buckles. He buckles. One of the other things Pilate did is he decided to mint some new gold coins. Use them throughout the land of Judea. Problem is, the image that he had stamped on that was of some pagan ritual. And again, the Jews go ballistic. So there's been all this tension, right? And, and so as we read through the Gospels, what's one of the things that comes up in this exchange? He says he's a king. If you let him go, you're no friend of Caesar. Oh, man, I don't need strike three. Right? Already messed up with the shields. I messed up with the coins. Now if I mess up with this guy and... Tiberius gets some letter about me allowing some other king. Uh, what does Pilate always do under pressure? He buckles. Right? When an emperor puts enough pressure on you, you buckle enough, you go out and kill yourself. The Jews know this. See, and this is Pilate's problem. He knows his own history. He knows the people he's looking at. He knows the nation he is. He knows the situation he is in. But then comes this interesting pondering. What is true? Now, I don't know how he said it. The word doesn't record and he said it with this tone or he said it with this meaning or he said it in this way. But you know, when you read this, so you are a king? Almost like he's looking for an excuse. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? He's in the midst of this situation, a position, a problem. What's truth? Now, maybe you felt that way in the course of this past year and a half. What's truth? Is it what I hear on this channel or is it what I hear on this channel? Is it what I hear in this podcast or is it what I hear in this podcast? Is it what I read in this scientific study or is it what I read in this scientific study? 
is it what my doctor tells me or is it what Dr. Fauci tells me? Right? We, we're, we're, what's truth? Do you realize that that question was never asked in the state of perfection in the garden? See, this is a sin question. You only ask the question, what is truth? Because sin has entered the world. It's not a question of Adam and Eve while they're in the garden without sin. Why? They walk with the Lord. They speak with the Lord. There's no, Lord, we're confused by everything we see in this world. What's truth? That question only comes because of sin. This is, this is the question that sinful human beings ask. What is truth? Some ask it because there is a, a, a definite searching. There is a wondering. There is a question. Some ask it out of defiance because perhaps rather than out of a pathetic voice, Pilate answers or asks the question out of what's truth? More of that defiant attitude. But regardless, it's a sin question. Believe me, brothers and sisters, when we are in glory, there is not one of us who is going to walk up to Jesus Christ or to God the Father or to the Spirit and say, what is truth? It's a sin question. Because sin has covered. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 4, paragraph 2. If you want the reference, it's page 922. It reads as follows regarding creation. After God had made all other creatures, he created man, male and female, with reasonable and immortal souls. Endued with knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness after his own image. Having the law of God written in their hearts and power to fulfill it. True righteousness, holiness, and knowledge. There's no what is truth question being asked. That's a question sin brings in. The difficulty we have in deciphering what is truth, even in our society today, is because of sin. Somebody's lying. Somebody's not telling the truth. What is it? How do we uncover it? How do we find it out? How do we detect it for sure? We have to have court trials to figure out what is the truth. And then we get it wrong. Because we're sinful creatures. But you see, that's the cry of sinful creatures. What is truth? 
The second thing about Pilate's questioning is he's not the only one asking it. That's what our world around us is asking. In all the weirdness you see in our society today, I want you to understand that there is a question that leads people to these really strange directions. What is truth? Is truth that I'm really a male or am I really a female? Is truth that I am this or that? Is truth this? Is truth that? And they go off on these strange and weird tangents. They involve themselves at times in pagan rituals. All in seeking to ask the same question. We have to see people that way. There's a whole society, there's a whole world, there's a whole community, a whole nation that is out there asking the question, what is truth? Why? Because Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3 remind us of the fact that what? All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none of us that does Righteous. There is none of us that no longer has that true knowledge, righteousness, and holiness when we enter the world. There is a society out there looking for truth because it is the question that sin brings about. And people answer it wrongly all over the place. And perhaps rather than shaking our heads and going, what's the matter with those people? Maybe the question is, why aren't we with those people teaching them this is the truth? Why don't we redouble our efforts to bring that message of truth? Because you see, the question has an answer. And Luke, this is what as one who has just made their profession of faith this evening, this, this, is, this, this is what, once again, you need to catch here. Not that I don't think you do, but th this is where it comes to bear. See, Pilate asks the question, what is truth? Do you know what the answer is? There's actually two parts. It's interesting, isn't it? Pilate asked the question, what is truth, when Jesus had already answered it. Did you see that? He asked a question for which the answer has already been given. That's our society. Our society is not answering a asking a question for which there is no answer. And our society is not asking a question about which now, oh, we've got to figure this out. How are we going to answer that question for those people in the 2021 who are asking this thought-provoking question, what is truth, and are exploring all these various options open to them in this world and in this culture, and they can get funding from the government to do so even. Boy, we better study a little harder and figure out what that answer is. Now the answer's here. Its answer has already been given. Listen to Jesus again. 
You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world. To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to what? My voice. What is truth? The voice of Jesus Christ witnessing into this world. This is truth. Jesus himself said it. Now, of course, if we're going to shut this, keep this closed, or we're going to argue ad nauseum whether or not this truly is the word of God, or if we're going to argue, well, what part of this is the word of God, we're never going to find truth. We have to hear Jesus say, my word is truth. Here it is. We have a society out there asking the question, what is truth? Here it is. That's why, Luke, one of the things that in that form, when we, after you've answered the questions, that, that I come back and say to you, now, continue to make use of the means of grace, especially, especially the Word of God. Why? Because this is truth. This is this. This is the answer to the world's question. This is the answer to the depravity. This is the answer to those in our world who are struggling. And folks, everybody who is outside of Christ is that struggler in one way, shape, or form. They're asking the question, what is truth? Here it is. And if this is the truth, and we need to be studying it. We need to be learning it. That's why the, that form encourages you, Luke, to, to be in the Word. Because if all things being equal, you've got a lot of life to live yet. You've got a lot of years. There's going to be a lot of questions. And maybe at some point in your life, you're going to come back and say, what's truth? Ah, this, God's word, is truth. Now, I say that to you, but you know, I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me. I'm talking to every one of us tonight. When we come to that point, when we begin to ponder Pilate's question, the sin question, the pervasive question? We need to remember it's an answered question. Go back. Go back to the truth. All who hear my voice. All who hear me speak. And that's not just the red-lettered words in the Bible. It's the totality of this word. But there's another way of answering this question. What is truth? That's why we sang the hymn we did before, because of John 14, 6. I am the way. I am 
the truth. And I am the life. I am the truth. See, in one sense, yes, truth is found here in the Word. But the Word and Christ, Jesus, are inseparable. He is the Word made flesh. He is the Logos. See, in one respect, yes, truth is found here. But in another respect, truth is found only in a relationship with Jesus Christ. A personal, deep relationship with Christ. We will not know truth until we have an intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior. An intimate relationship that comes to us through that baptismal font, that comes to us through that table, that comes to us through those folded hands and bowed head as we speak to our friend, to our brother, to our Lord, to our Savior, to truth. And that's why Look, we, we, we say to those who, who make profession of faith, such as you did tonight, make use of those means of grace. Build that relationship with Jesus Christ. We see it. We see, we see you working on it. We see you starting it. We, we see that maturity of faith beginning to develop, to mold, to shape. You got great examples in your family. You got a great-grandfather sitting right behind you, okay? Great example of developing that, that relationship with the Word, but with Christ. Look around you, folks here at Little Farms. We're the ones who are to be setting that example for you of deepening that relationship with Christ. What's even a greater treasure, greater blessing here, is that based upon what we heard tonight, you're going to be the one out answering the question to this world, to this society, to this culture. As they cry out, what is truth? The word of Christ. And a relationship with Christ. It's how Luke McCrory stood before us tonight and said, that's how you answer the question. That's what your profession of faith was tonight. It was a testimony. I know the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through Him. Yeah, but my life's been a mess. But the word says he paid fully for all your sin. Jesus speaks to you. It says, I paid for your sin. I washed it. I cleansed it. I gave my body 
shed my blood. So that what? So that the God of peace may equip you with everything good. To be used by him. For God's purposes. For God's glory. May God bless you my friend. But may God bless each and every one of us. That we go to this world. A world dying. Looking for truth. And we have the answer. In our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In essence, whenever one of our young people or anyone stands before us and makes a profession of faith, we do it as well. We make that profession along with them. Yes, yes, I believe the word. Yes, I believe in God. Yes, I believe I am a sinner and that Jesus is the only means of salvation. Yes, Jesus is my Lord and Master. And I'm just going to seek to live a godly life. Yes, I want to be a part of the body of Christ here at Little Farms. Yes, I want to answer people's question. What is truth? By my life. By my testimony.